I've been playing, and we'll get to this a little bit in more detail later, but I've been playing a lot of the Switch lately. And I am one to, I typically, if I'm playing it at home, I do have it docked. Uh, just because I like to sit in a big chair, big comfy chair, seat on a big screen. Um, and I came to the realization that I think a lot of people have had before me, and I was sort of like a Joy-Con defender in the past. Like, it's a good controller. Uh, they're kind of small and dinky. <laughs> and I feel like a giant when I'm holding them. Like, have you ever seen like uh, uh, Shaquille O'Neal yeah. holding like like regular cups, but they look like shot glasses to him because yeah. he's just like such a big guy? Um, I, that's like, kind of how I feel with the Switch Joy-Cons. And my question to you, Justin, is are you a fan of the Joy-Con? Because I used to be, but the more I've been playing with it recently, I've been like, this is really tiny and small. Uh, I don't care enough uh, about, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't think mm. it's a... Uh, a notable bad controller like there's nothing about it that's necessarily bad but there's like nothing i'm like this controller feels awesome in my hands and that's the thing too right i think it's contrasted with the way that um i really like the xbox series x and ps5 controllers and i think that when it's time to like all right time to play the switch i'm just like not stoked about picking up those joy cons (laughs) and and i do have um i've got a pro controller um, which I think is better than the Joy-Cons because obviously it has a little more uh, uh, freedom of movement with those sticks uh, as, as they are bigger. But even that, do you have a Pro Controller? I don't because uh, I never dock my Switch, ever. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But uh, it is, it still feels a little bit like a toy. Like it's like kind of cheaper plastic and yeah. you can like feel like the back of it like jiggling around and stuff. But it's um, cheaper plastic, but probably still worth more than both the pro controller and the not pro, more than the uh, uh, dual sense and the Xbox. I mean, it's, it, I think it's probably about the same price. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there you go. And I don't need, Yeah. Does it have I'm sure it has to have vibration, but I'm thinking like maybe it doesn't. The pro controller. Yeah. I mean, it, it the vibration on the joy cons is one of the loudest vibrations I've oh, ever it's, heard. You cannot do it if someone's like sleeping next yep. to you. I mean, I had this problem with Animal Crossing. Uh, when you hit a tree with an axe or, or use any of those tools, it's like it's it's, it's a lot. Bad. It's, yeah, it's it's like screaming. Yeah, I'm thinking. Okay, I am thinking that maybe this Pro Controller does have uh, the vibration in them, but it's not great. Let me say it like that. Like the fact that I'm thinking about it makes yeah. me think I've yeah. never been like, "Ooh, that was great." But uh, so it goes. It's a box. What's in the fucking box? (laughs) What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Hitbox episode number... 78. My name is Peter Hunt Spitzek, and joining me, as always, is my wonderful co-host and friend, Justin Makovich. Justin, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I think I have a bit of a Baby Yoda addiction. Oh, go on. I don't know if it's an addiction, because I do still have self-control, but I found myself on one of my favorite websites the other night, slickdeals.net. I think I've talked about it once or twice. Slickdeals.net. Yeah, I've... uh... I'm familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. I buy a lot of clothes from that website when they're on sale. But I 
uh, saw a uh, onesie, a Baby Yoda onesie. Is it uh, now? My question is: Is it a onesie that has Baby Yoda on it, or is it a onesie for Baby Yoda? No, it is a onesie that has a Baby Yoda hood. Oh, cute, cute, right? cute. And it was $10, and I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to buy this. So I go on the website, go on walmart.com, uh, oh. add it to my cart, go through the checkout process, and then um, I realized the shipping was like $9 on top of that. Oh, and I was like, that. listen, $20 for this, I'm going to wear it once as a joke, take a photo not quite worth it. But then as mm-hmm. I was like re- like regretting my my uh, intent to purchase, I noticed that there was another item in my cart and that was a pair of Baby Yoda slippers that I had done the same exact thing for <laughs> a few weeks back <laughs> because I was going to buy them on sale, saw the shipping price was like not worth it. So um, I guess it's not quite an addiction because I didn't go through with the purchase. However, sure. if you want me to try to purchase something, just put Grogu on it. Yeah, I uh, I've not kept up with uh, the book of Boba Fett, um, so spoilers, I suppose. But I've heard I've heard that the child makes an appearance at one point or another. I'm not sure what capacity or whatever, but um, yeah, I get it. I mean, he is like perfectly engineered to be the cutest thing in the entire world. I mean, it just in, in the entire like all of Mandalorian season one and two. It's just so perfectly done to be like, uh, like put on t-shirts and like have dolls sold of it while also like connected to this like really high quality show, you know? And I would say that's one of the only reasons why it's a, it's a really good show is because of Grogu, because like I, the, the second season, like every single episode that he's in is just better because he's in it. Yeah, no, that that's fair. Um, he, he's like... He he really does add a lot to that show because you you have like Mando who I do like but he's not uh, he has uh, only a few words yeah. right he's not he's not like a very talkative character yeah. and obviously Baby Yoda isn't Baby Yoda doesn't talk but like he it coos. adds a lot of he coos what's that he, he does little coos yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, little dog coos little baby yeah. coos yeah it's very cute um, but he has a lot of like that character to Mando because you see him put like contrasted with this like yeah, very yeah. very cute thing and he's taking care of it and whatever but um yeah good show i i've heard mixed things about book of boba fett but i've heard the last few episodes if you're like a star wars fan are are uh real good real good yeah i watched the first two episodes of it and i think my my thing was like this is seriously lacking grogu so sure okay okay i will take that as a recommendation for perhaps what's to come yeah, right <laughs> so that, okay, um, maybe i do have to watch it after all Yep, 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 yep. Uh, but hey, we're not going to be talking anymore about Star Wars today. At least I don't think we are. But uh, we are going to be talking about doing a little bit of a Metacritic roundup for both Dying Light 2, Stay Human, and Sifu, as well as talking about a bunch of things such as the uh, acquisition of Wordle, as well as the acquisition of Bungie, which is uh, some pretty big news uh, but we'll get to that and more uh a little bit later but before we do justin we have our little table on our on our notes yes that is the games we've been playing correct and all it says for you is pokemon legends arceus yep all it says for me pokemon legends arceus yep so what you think i mean i know i know that you were pretty hot on it last week i was a little less hot on it i'm curious after spending more time with it this week where are you at 
Uh, I beat the story, the main story. Oh, uh, I okay. guess you can call it beating the main story because, like, mo- like most Pokemon games, it seems like once you beat the main story, they just have a bunch of little like sub quests afterwards, like that, like. There's something going on with the ancient Pokemon. The game's called Arceus, but like I really haven't caught an Arceus yet. I hope that's not a spoiler for anyone. So I'm assuming mm. that you will be probably getting Arceus. It's uh, okay. I'll say this: it's always been weird that you can catch Arceus to me because Arceus is Pokemon God, and so it's weird to me that you would be able to like catch and own that. I mean, I guess the question is like, do you own your Pokemon? Um, <laughs> as they're you know living things, but like like the idea of being like in control of that always felt odd to me. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree, but I do think you can catch it. I would assume, right? I, I would assume so. Right. So I mean, credits rolled, so the game's over. Okay. Nothing ha- nothing it. happens after credits ever in a video game or a Marvel movie. So was there wait was there a post credit thing? Like the game just keeps going. No, like it just opens up. Yeah, you get like another quest with who's that guy with the backpack? Who's like following you everywhere he's got like good hair and like a togepi yeah i had with togepi the first fight yeah Yeah. okay Uh, i know what you're talking about where's he from who's he i don't know did you uh did you uh, like i assume that the end game of that of it is like you got to finish out the pokedex is that what it is i mean essentially there's like another uh like you get to basically the quest that I'm on, like that opens up after you finish it, is capturing the Reggie Ice, Reggie Rock, Reggie whatever Pokemon. Okay. Um, so I'm guessing there'll be a couple of like legendary hunts in that way. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it will be like finishing the Pokedex, I'm assuming. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. I um, I think I'm getting towards the end. I just finished the last Raging Beast, the big ice guy, um, which I will say in terms of like, a cool boss fight for this game. Like it was interesting and different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm still not loving it. <laughs> like I'm, fr- I'm actually like actively pretty frustrated with it. Uh, we, we sort of spoke about this earlier in the week. I was, I've been like looking for a, a final Pokemon to like finally round out my team, but I'm like, why it's not like I'm getting in any fights or like, like it's not like there are any, real fights that i'm ha- gonna have to get into first of all and second of all um they've been the, the fights that i have been doing that are like challenging aren't challenging because like it is a really intense fight against a challenging pokemon it's the fact that someone will throw out three pokemon at you and you have to deal with them when you only have one um which feels like odd because I, I feel like i'm missing a mechanic where i can throw out multiple pokemon <laughs> i assume you can't because otherwise it would just be like you'd be able to just steamroll everyone who you generally just has one pokemon but um yeah i don't know i'm i'm i think the thing i like about pokemon is is the battling and and the the big rock paper scissors game that it is um and that just really isn't a factor in this game at all but yeah, I would I would agree that the combat is really kind of like a backseat. Like the focus on combat is a lot more about catching the Pokemon through combat or catching them through stealth. So like, yeah, there's not as many battles, obviously, but you're getting to a point of the game where you're about to get some higher level fights that are going to come up kind of back to back to back ish. Um, and I think the thing I like about this combat style is that it's not as predictable as regular 
battles that yeah. you have in a Pokemon game. Because really, in a normal Pokemon game, you can eventually just out-level and steamroll all opponents with like one good Pokemon of each type. Specifically, mm-hmm. like before a Pokemon comes into the battle, it's like a Pikachu is about to enter. Do you want to change Pokemon? And you're like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to change Pokemon so I can kill this Pikachu. And this one, you don't really get that option. Basically, like you have to use one, your first turn to switch a mistyped Pokemon. Uh, and then plus, like the speed stat does in the whole strong and agile style adds just enough of unpredictability to the battle that it makes the trainer battles actually more engaging than a normal trainer battle that you have when it's just like, all right, I'm going to fight this freaking fisherman that has four Magikarp. Yeah, I would disagree. Uh, I, I wouldn't this. I, I, let me say this in terms of preference. I just have a different preference because yeah, yeah. what you're saying is, is correct. Um, but I, what I like about Pokemon is that it is so consistent um, where like if you have a really fast Pokemon, you're going to be going first, you know, um, and, and there are ways to make it more consistent within Pokemon Legends Arceus. But uh, by, by that, I mean, like, I like being able to understand what is going to happen. And the fun for me is building move sets around what's going to happen and like building switch outs around understanding what is going to be happening. It feels odd to me that they would give you that, um, the ability to see the turn order. If most Pokemon and trainers are able to just completely, uh, defy the turn order, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I, I do, I do agree that there is a level of like, twists when when things like that happen but i don't find them to be engaging because it's always like well i couldn't have predicted that would happen um and what you're saying about not being able to switch pokemon in and out like after you've knocked someone out that is an option in regular pokemon basically uh you can either play in switch mode or set mode uh switch mode is when you knock something out they say they're about to send out a pikachu do you want to change your pokemon uh and set mode doesn't ask you that question so it's just a way of playing it a little bit harder and those like that's in all the the regular games uh so i do appreciate that but i got into uh, i was doing a side quest the, the basically the one side quest that i've actually liked that's been going on through the whole thing is uh someone in the basement of the or maybe they're, they're in the front room of the the team galaxy headquarters is um their sister keeps getting lost and you gotta go find them have you done these no 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 uh their, their sister keeps like getting lost in the different areas so you have to use the bear to go find her to like s- smell her out um, and they're one of the f- last quests is she's cornered by a bunch of Parises, um, which are like the most irritating, annoying <laughs> Pokemon in the whole game as they're just they're small and they're extremely aggressive and they'll like knock you down. And Wh- stuff. What do you got against France? <laughs> I do not like the Eiffel Tower. I think it's an eyesore. I'm just kidding. It's a fine piece of architecture. <laughs> but um, she's like she's cornered and they're all they're level 50 level 50 paris so like level 50 pokemon like that's nothing to sneeze at but it's a paris so it's not it's not even uh evolved or maybe it's not what, what's the Para- is paris the evolved parasect one? is the i think is, is parasect the, the small one? one and it goes into paris or is it the other way around i don't know it's a small one is what i'm trying to say they're oh, level okay. 50 but i'm like okay you know they're not parasect so like it shouldn't be a big problem and i'm almost 10 levels higher than it go uh, Garchomp, because I have a Garchomp now, which has been just my go-to steamroll Pokemon, uh, and it's almost ten levels higher than them. And I didn't get to go because they all got to move first, and they just killed my Garchomp like literally three level fifty Parises. I had no 
ability to even move or do anything. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, cool. So whatever Pokemon I'm going to send out in that in that first slot was just going to get killed no matter what, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It is just fine to me. I, I mean, and I'm going to go back to kind of echoing what I said last week is how I think it just really like mixes up the formula to a way that it is different from a regular a mainline Pokemon game. It's uh, I, I like how going from place to place is fun. I feel like the more of the mounts you unlock, the more the the game kind of like opens up with this exploration. It's just kind of more fun to explore. Like by the time you're done, you can fly, you can swim, you can run, you can climb, you can do everything like that. Um, and in the end game, it's really fun just to like kind of fly around and like look for new Pokemon that spawn at different times of the day and things that when you first started playing that were impossible to like climb up eventually just become like, all right, I can get up there without it being much of an issue. Um, and I don't know. It's just I, I understand people's complaints about it. I understand people's complaints about how the open world is empty, but it's not empty. It's just filled with Pokemon. So it's not like you're going to find yeah. like a random campsite. You're going to find a random Pokemon that just will spawn in some places. Um, and have you gotten to any of those? Uh, what are they? Not maybe they're not called Nexus events. The Rift things. Yeah, I go in those to get some rare items and 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 sometimes catch some rare Pokemon if I if I think I can get the level advantage on them. Like, just enough random stuff happens that it keeps it engaging, and eventually you get these, uh, I forget what they're called, like, outbreaks um, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in which there's, like, a specific type of Pokemon that spawns a ton. Higher level, uh, more of the... Uh, I, I should probably know these terms better. More of, like, the glowing red eye things. Um and like, I don't, there's just enough going on that I'm that I'm having a good time with it. Uh, there's enough stuff that you that are worth a lot of money that you have to buy. That in order to uh, get the money, you have to like farm for nuggets or farm for certain mm -hmm. uh, rare items or just complete research tasks. There's always something to do. And if right now I am sick of catching Pokemon. I can level up the Pokemon I have. If I'm sick of leveling up the Pokemon I have, I can do some of the side quests and get like specific yeah. materials. And if I'm sick of that, I can farm for money. So there's just always a little something going on that it's just keeping my attention in a way that Pokemon games have not. And I think this is probably directly related to the fact I had such a bad experience with, not bad's the wrong word. I was so bored playing mm -hmm. Pokemon Pearl and Diamond that I was kind of like, maybe I just don't need to play Pokemon anymore. Um, yeah. But tur turns out like this is the kind of formula that makes it really fun. I don't know mm -hmm. if I'm going to 100% this game. Uh, I, I, I find it hard without a platinum uh, trophy hanging, hanging out there for me to yeah. do that. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, it is a great game to just have on my Switch um, and uh, kind of play around and just mindlessly do a task while I'm doing something else. No, that's that's really fair. Uh, yeah, I am probably once I get the credits, unless I'm feeling really different about it, which I don't think I will, uh, I will move on. <laughs> but uh, I don't hate it. I just guess I think it's okay. And I just, it, it highlights some of the things that I don't like. Um, it, it made some changes that I just don't like to the whole formula. But so it goes. I will agree with you, though. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of people being like, it's an empty open world. And like, yes, that is true that there's not like things going on. But like the point of the game is catching Pokemon and fighting Pokemon. Right. And it is not empty in that regard. Right, <laughs> like right. there's a lot of these fuckers out there. And, and all, um, all the worlds are so different from each other. Um, the, mm -hmm. the bi like not even biomes almost. 
uh, like areas. Yeah, yeah. they're just they're just so diverse in, in terms of what you have in those areas and stuff. So. And uh, the, I think the exploration is pretty cool, especially once you get the other uh, mounts and stuff, because on your map, you can see like the places you haven't gone. And there are some places that you go where it's like they're way, way too high level for you to to handle. So you just you know go back there once you're ready and you can go catch that whatever Pokemon and, and whatnot. But yeah, I uh, still frustrated with it. I think it but I, I see why you like it and I see why it is scoring so well for people looking for a change in Pokemon who were not super stoked on um the the most recent pokemon release yeah yeah uh and to be fair too i I was complaining about the story um the story picks up right kind of where you're at oddly enough um but not enough to make it worth it uh it's like again it's it's like right where it like it's right there they just didn't execute on a way um that when you say it picks up like every single time i'm dragged into a story moment it's like oh gosh like it's like i'm reading maybe every other line because i'm just completely uninterested and it's just it's all bland and monotonous is it like a lot of stories that what you mean or like it actually gets decent like there's a point of no return that kind of changes some stuff a little bit that kind of makes it interesting and how they kind of resolve some of the mechanic issues is just interesting and like the climax to the ultimate battle at the end is also kind of cool um but again it's not it's it's still presented in a way that is lame as hell kind of with the dialogue and the other stuff but yeah okay yeah i i yeah that is my piece on pokemon legends Arceus. uh disappointing but i think it's a cool if they take this format and put a traditional it in a traditional Pokemon game that does have the focus on the battles and, and gym leaders and stuff like that. I would probably like that a lot more, but that is simply what I would like. And it seems as if a lot of other people got a lot out of this, Oh, uh, but also like you can't battle your friends even on the internet, which is a kind of weird. Yeah. I would say though, like if you put this game into like diamond and pearl, you have the same gym battles, same anything. You just have this game and the catching mechanics and the open world stuff. That would be 10 out of 10 must play. That's the thing. That would be for me yeah. like, holy shit, they did it. They did it. Yeah. Um, but this for me is like not it yet. It just, it just it does make me excited to see where they go from here. And hopefully they keep up with this. And this isn't just a spinoff because it doesn't feel like it is. Right. Would you say that it feels like a like this is the direction? I would say so. I mean, it, it's marrying uh some of the the things that people liked from traditional pokemon with pokemon sword and shield plus adding what people have always dreamed pokemon to be with like this open world experience to it so Mm -hmm. i I think definitely it is a step in a direction but um pokemon steps seem to be kind of tiny sometimes yeah yeah um yeah moving on let's talk about metacritic uh, as you know, listener, Metacritic is the end-all be-all for understanding if a video game is good or not. Um, so we got two two big releases where the embargo is lifted over this past week. The first is Dying Light 2 Stay Human. Justin, have you looked at these yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, never mind. I was going to make you guess oh. where it might land. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All good. Um, currently on the playstation 5 it has a 77 on pc it's at 79 and xbox series x also at a 79 um that all said (laughs) that's the critic score the user score 
is really, really low. Again, this red uh, flag. T- something's yeah, wrong I here. Mean, on PS5, it's 5.8. On PC, it's 5.4. Xbox Series X, it's 4.4. Nice. Um, yeah, it seems like people are not super happy with a lot of the technical stuff. We'll talk about that in a minute here. Uh, but before we get to that, what do you think? Uh, 79%-ish for, for this game. That, that seems to be right for what I would peg it as. Yeah, I mean, an open world zombie survival uh, parkour game. I mean, uh, do you know what the first game's uh, Metacritic score are? Was, was? Not off the top of my head. Do you have that? Uh, I do not. Uh, Dying Light uh, looks like it was the original was 74. And then they have like a enhanced edition that came out as an 87, quite strong. Um, that was a year after the original release. So I do know that people are like people who like dying light are really stoked on it because I believe Techland has done a lot of great support for it. Um, in the years after its release, I, I think it has some, uh, like really well-received DLC. I, I could be making that up, but no, I think that no. sounds and, right. And not only that, they were like continuously giving free support to it. Um, yeah. I think up until last year or like a couple years ago. Um, so like they, they literally had a community of people who were like just into this game and love this game and, uh, people who could spend, 500 hours in this game (laughs) yes Uh, yeah so uh yeah i mean i think the game looks interesting i think it looks like it could be a a fun game to play uh in the line of like what a far cry is i think if anything i would expect this game to be like a far cry type of game in my head maybe a little Mm -hmm. bit less polished than a far cry game just because not that Techland is a is a bad studio it's just i think ubisoft uh far cry games they're more copy and paste from what they've done before yeah. um, rather than it being something like they are, you know, new and, and interesting uh, stuff like this game seems to be a little bit more new. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I think uh, in the reviews, some of the stuff that uh, I've been hearing, do you remember all that conversation back at E3 several years ago when they had that big open door uh, like demo for it was like, you can make choices in this game that drastically change the game world. Like there's an yeah. option to either flood a city or not flood a city. And if you flood the city, you lose all that city side quests. If you don't flood the city, you lose all these other side quests. Remember that? Yeah, I that, do. That's out of the game. Oh, really? Yeah, that is not that specific build with that specific kind of like, large story path thing is not there anymore um and what they essentially do is they've broken it down into like you have options to whether you want to create more parkour opportunities in the world or create more like street level traps to help fighting the zombies so it's like offensive versus avoiding defensive kind of thing yeah so like instead of like you know just like unlocking a base you can choose to unlock more offensive or more traversal stuff and that can kind of change the gameplay flavor flavor because you're essentially siding with different groups by doing that um but it's not like this huge altering story path which i thought it was going to be yeah and it seems like um a lot of people are saying initially the choices do seem pretty good but at the end of the day they don't make any real difference and people and it seems like people think that it starts off in one place and you can have it go in several other places and it begins to feel like it's a an experience sort of individual to you but by the end it's like oh no this was just sort of the path right 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 and um i don't know just looking at the trailers i didn't know rosaria dawson was in this 
Rosaria Dawson is... Who is this? Uh, I mean, she's been in... Uh, <laughs> I know she's a celebrity. <laughs> I'm really bad with names. Um, but she's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, she's uh, in The Mandalorian, I think. Um, she's in... Man of Black 2? Uh, a couple of Marvel properties. I think she's in Daredevil, I think. Rent? Ah, yes, 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 yes. Eagle Eye? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, <laughs> Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief? Zookeeper? Yeah, you're really, you're really hitting the top ones there. Uh, that is That is what she is known for. Uh, Ratchet. She was in the 2016 Ratchet and Clank. Oh, uh, oh, she was in Lego Batman. Uh, sorry to bother you. Okay, these are a few uh, recent ones. Oh no, you're not bothering me. L O L. Uh, Zombieland Double Tap. Okay, okay, I see. Oh, and she she's done a lot of like TV stuff too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Who is she in this? She's oh, one oh, of the, oh, the Rosario main... Dawson. She's Ahsoka. Yeah. Oh, I didn't, I thought, oh, okay, I see, yes, yes, <laughs> go on. I forgot the <laughs> name Ahsoka, but anyway. <laughs> yes, okay. But anyway, she, uh, she's like one of the main characters in that, and she's like, her, her likeness is in the game, obviously, um, mm-hmm. and she's apparently a, looks like a pretty, like, major character in it, um, and so they do have a lot of this, like, good story beat, even if I think it, like, is, like, funneling people into, like, one kind of story. It seems like the general critical appeal, uh, a re- reaction to it is that the stories are at least interesting, even if the choices don't matter, which, yeah. hey, I mean, you're playing a game for 20 hours, and you got a good story with some interesting, you know, thought-provoking uh, questions to answer. I think that's pretty cool. Um so, I, I mean, I would be interested in picking this game up if it was the right situation. I don't think right now with what's on the horizon, LOL, it's something that I'm interested in playing. And I think with a lot of these reviews, it sounds like the best mode of action would be to wait a little bit. Yes, because so like people have praised the, the gameplay is actually a lot of fun. The parkour stuff is great. Uh, story is lacking a little bit, but the thing that a lot of people are really upset about are the bugs and the technical performance. So um, a lot of these really bad uh, user reviews on Metacritic are uh, citing the fact that um, while it is 60 FPS on the Xbox Series X, uh, you get 100, it's, it's 1080p. So you're not getting that 4K uh, and you're not even getting, isn't like 2K, 2K is like, I don't know enough about resolution, but 1080p is like not awesome, especially on next gen hardware. Yeah. Or current gen hardware, I mean. Um, because I think isn't isn't 1080p like what the Series S is outputting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're getting the same performance on a Series S as you are a Series X. So I can understand the frustration there. I mean, 1080p still looks good. <laughs> right. Like I mean, like I am never gonna be a person who hates a game because of what it looks like. Um, with the exception of a game that is like you, you can't look at it because it like is particularly bad. Like I'm j- going back to Arceus for a second. I literally, was about to say that. It's yeah. not a beautiful game, but like, it's not annoying. Got to where it counts. Yeah. The like, heart. like, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I'm playing, I'm playing a Switch on a big TV. Like, 
Those games look like they're painted on. They look like impressionist paintings. Oh yeah. I <laughs> you know let me I mean? like, like uh, again going back to that like playing a Switch. One of the reasons I think I like Switch games so much handheld is like a lot of my favorite games when you put them on that big old TV and you see every detail of it, they look like garbage. People were yeah. saying how bad Xenoblade Chronicles 2 looked and I was like, "What are you talking about? This game is freaking beautiful." And then I played it on the TV and I was like, uh, oh, I, I immediately see what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. The image itself is not great for Dying Light 2. But, like, what? I mean, I don't know. So, like, yeah, that sucks, but, like, whatever. <laughs> did, but, did I'm, you, I'm not trying to be dismissive. I, but I, I think uh, if you're wondering what these zero. tech issues kind of look like, if you watch the IGN review, they have a bunch of issues that look like game-breaking, whether it's falling through the ground, um, yeah. like, literally falling through it, or um, getting stuck in the environment that you can't get out of a part of the environment. You have to reload things. Plus, for a lot of people who are doing these uh, previews, there were um, issues with save corruption oh, on them. So um, people had to like redo the game and replay the game and stuff like that. So this seems to me like, and it's it's kind of funny to to go back to. Um, uh cyberpunk because the problem with cyberpunk is not that the game was bad it was the game is buggy or uh could not be run on next-gen consoles this game would have probably it seems to me been like a high eight maybe even nine type of experience if it wasn't for these technical problems that people are just ragging on it for yeah and again i'm not a business person i'm assuming they had to get this game out because it was already delayed a bunch of times but i mean at a certain point, like there's nothing well, wrong just, with delaying a game like this. Right. Or even like, I mean, it would, be, it, would be, it would be a little late in the process to do this, but I would say like changing the scope would probably help, right? It can be big, but maybe does it need to be this big if it means that you're going to be sacrificing these sorts of things? You know what I mean? And, that, and that's a question and a conversation has been being had for freaking ever since open worlds kept just like ballooning in size, right? But uh, it seems as if we are at something, we've reached something of a breaking point when it comes to uh, bugs and technical issues and stuff in video games, just with the way that, like, you look at how Cyberpunk was received, and yeah, you and I thought it was kind of, like, just an uninteresting game in general, but it seemed like a lot of the conversation surrounding it was just like, yo, this game is bad, but the fact that it's this broken is, is pretty egregious. That being said, it still seems to be doing pretty good numbers um, yeah. on Steam. Um, I'm on uh, PCGamesN.com, um, and they cite that uh, Dying Light 2 has five times as many players as the original Dying Light ever did. Um, this is an article by, uh, I guess they don't have authors. Oh, no, an article by Ian Bordreau. And uh, the numbers aren't, like, outstanding. Standing. I mean, it looks like uh, about uh, a quarter of a million of them um, were playing it. Uh, this was as of, I don't know what day this was, um, according to Steam. Oh, uh, as of... It's got to be pretty recent, right? Yeah, it only I came mean, out yeah, players right ago, now, yeah, or a quarter of a million. All-time peak was four hours ago, and this, we're, I mean, we're recording this on Sunday uh, the 6th. Um, 2022 of February, and the all-time peak was uh, 274,000. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say, I mean, like I'll say, like this game doesn't look unfun, 
and, and I think the parkour stuff is what really sets it apart for me as like something I would be actually be interested in trying. But um, like you said, I for me this is not the time to play. Oh, absolutely. And I, I might even be flirting with this more to buy it if um, I didn't have. I still want to finish um, Far Cry Six uh, before yeah. anything else comes out. Um, and then when Sekiro is coming out, not Sekiro. <laughs> Elden Ring. Yeah, yeah. Like, Oops. Uh, it's like the end of next month, I think. What's coming out next? There's another big game coming out. Is it is Horizon next? Horizon one? is next. Horizon, yeah. So Horizon's coming out yes. in like two weeks. Um, yeah, and, and then it's Elden Ring's like immediately after. If any of our listeners know my personal life, the next two weeks of my life are going to be a bit. Uh, what's the word? Busy. Busy. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if I need a, another game that is a 500 hour excursion to uh, fill my time with. Yep. 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 Justin, the other game that is. The embargo has lifted. It releases uh, on Tuesday is Sifu, which currently on PC has a score of 76 and on the PlayStation 5 has an 82. Um, It seems like people are liking this a lot. Uh, There aren't a ton of reviews for it as of right now. Oh, actually, I lied. On PC, there aren't a ton. On PlayStation 5, there's actually a lot. Um, It seems like a lot of people are praising its combat and it's um although it is challenging it has like really really good rewarding moments as you are able to complete um objectives and things like that which is kind of cool but a lot of other people are saying you know it's high difficulty just isn't there and it it loses a lot of um like points for trying to have people put together like a perfect run which makes you feel like uh if you make small progress it's not like worth it as long as because you're not like actually making like huge steps but um yeah I, i think that is i'm excited to play it we will be doing a review episode of it that should be out next week at some point but um yeah what do you what do you think about this so i think it's not going to be a game i like and this is this is my pre-playing preview of of it and okay uh i think it's not gonna be a game i like because it is like in the vein of like a dark souls type of game without having the thing that i like about dark souls which is the exploration and discovery of dark souls um it's uh you know you're playing different levels and each level has its own thing to it um and the basically you got to beat the game in one lifetime and the mechanic of this game is that every time you die you get a little bit older you get older you get your health goes down a little bit but you get stronger because you're more wise and experienced there's like this magic talisman that you have that kind of explains away the reason that it's happening it's not just like a random reason that you're getting older Mm -hmm. but uh so the game is broken down to different levels and each level when you beat it the progress carries over to the next one and then it will save the best age that you finish that level on. And then when you start the next level, it will start it at the best age that you completed the previous level. So if I beat level one and I'm level 72, the next level I will start at 72 until I beat level one at a younger age. Yeah, okay. So the goal is to beat it without dying so you can get to the next level with like a full health or a full year um. Young, young enough to sustain it for yes, the future. Young enough, young enough to not die right away. Um, 
and, and this game is apparently hard too with with there being like tough bosses in it um mm-hmm. a ton of like you know just playing through the levels multiple times will be something that that some people might like this might be a great game to watch for speedrunners but if i know one yeah. thing about myself a game that speedrunners like is not necessarily a game that i'm gonna like to play like that you know mm-hmm. yeah um so i think it'll be interesting and i i do want to play it because i do like these kind of beat-em-up games uh the gameplay looks gorgeous uh, all the animation that i see from it i'm literally watching a video now on metacritic that's showing all the the animations were done with motion capture um and like they have two guys in um suits doing the kung fu moves kung fu kung fu moves um and uh like how they're like animating it just looks absolutely beautiful and cool um and i think that's definitely will be a highlight of the game i think visually it looks like it's stunning from all the screenshots i've been seeing um so i'm not saying i'm gonna hate this game I know it's not going to be a Justin Matkovich type of game, specifically yeah. Justin Matkovich type of game at this type of year for me when I don't like frustration. Yes. No, I definitely understand. Uh, it's also worth bringing up something about the cultural issues with this game. Uh, I think William Hughes from the AV club puts it really, um, really succinctly and well in uh, their review, which is, uh, will be linked in the description. Uh, in the final paragraph, it reads this. Is it worth the effort? Like we said, the highs here are very high. The sense of potential mastery potent. Game looks great too, with fluid, uh, slightly cartoonish style. But progress will take a certain bloody-minded persistence and a willingness to overlook the game's various crimes against authenticity. To be clear, this is a team of French developers making a video game about what they think an Asian martial arts movie looks like. It's so divorced from anything resembling a story about real people or cultures as to land somewhere at the intersection of stereotype and cliche. Uh, I haven't played it. I'm also not Asian, so it's impossible for me to speak on any of that. But I think that's worth keeping in mind uh, as you look at a game like this that wants to be a love letter to these sorts of things, but not really made by anyone who uh, like has real world experience with any of that or, or has that as a background. So I'll be interested to play it and we will do be doing a review episode of that next week. Justin naughty dog is a studio that we like naughty naughty. Uh, you said it brother. There's <laughs> um, so, such a naughty studio. Uh, you can, you go ahead and you say that I'm, I'll be over here. <laughs> uh naughty dog jobs (laughs) tweeted out that they are hiring uh and they have a whole lot of new uh openings at the studio and neil Druckmann quote tweeted the the original tweet and said we're growing come join us and work on and then an emoji going shh an emoji with um like a mouth with a zipper and then Uh, an emoji with a hand over its mouth. So sort of teasing that there are three projects in development at work at Naughty Dog, which is exciting and interesting. Uh, There has been rumors, uh, obviously, about the uh, Last of Us multiplayer game, which people are thinking that it's going to be uh, coming out potentially bundled with uh, like a playstation 5 director's cut version of last of us part 2 which i mean i would be down for um i've spoken my piece about the last of us multiplayer particularly and you, the second and you one. love it is that way is that what you're saying about it it's your <laughs> favorite thing ever that is essential playing right i mean like here's the thing justin if and when this game comes out i want to talk about it because i'm gonna have some feelings 
let it be said, anyone listening that's curious, I don't hate the idea of Last of Us multiplayer, especially in the first one. But if it is that first game's multiplayer, but updated to be for The Last of Us 2, I'd take some major issue with that based on what The Last of Us 2 is saying. Listener, just take this moment to Google Peter Hunt Spit Tech, Last of Us <laughs> multiplayer. And then whatever expletives you want, because you'll find those in the comments, <laughs> calling me all sorts of horrible things. Um, but I love it. I just, I eat that up and it doesn't make me feel very uh, anxious. But, <laughs> um, so so there's, it seems like pretty well known that that Naughty Dog is working on a Factions 2 of some sort or some sort of DLC uh, in addition to that for Last of Us 2. Uh, and there's also been rumors about a game called Stray's Cross. Have you heard about this, Justin? No, it sounds fun. It is uh, the the next game that they're rumored to be working on, which is a science fiction game, which um, follows two different characters. I think it's supposed to be in first person from what I remember reading, uh, but there has been no official statement from them about it. Uh, but it would be another you know narrative driven experience in the same way that they have been doing for freaking ever, you know. Um, but I mean, I'm down. I, I like the studio. I think they they do good work and. I would I would play whatever they made. Um, there's a reply tweet to Neil Druckmann's original tweet with the three emojis yeah. from Eric Jensen. He's a designer at Ben's Studio, and he says, yeah. "I can't wait for emoji with hand over mouth." And then Neil Druckmann responded, "Dude, NDA." <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of fun. Um, so I mean, me trying to like think of what these games are. It's probably uh the factions right that's one of them yeah the other one is that the last of us remaster that we're hearing about oh it could be and yeah, then the, is the, the other one the, la- the last of us 2 remake or the uh updated one is that another thing that they're working on or is this like something completely different because technically to me that's three games yeah yeah i think that to my understanding people are put, sort of putting factions two, like lumping that together with uh like the director's cut PS5 oh. version of it, that it would be like a re-release yeah. and it also comes with this content, you know? Because that, that would go in line with what Sony does. They do something to get you that PS5 upgrade, have a very yep. confusing flow chart, but also yep, release yep, 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 something yep. else with it. That would make sense. So there's still that that other potential thing there. Um, I do have to say, the thing I'm disappointed about with my life and what I do with my life is that not a single one of these jobs that... Is anything that we can is do? I, nothing I can do. I mean the I, I thought maybe like no i mean i don't think i could be a producer none of the programming jobs quality assurance i don't think that recruiting i could be a recruiter i'd be pretty good yeah, at you that. Could do that what about um hr but it's a studio human resources manager and my okay. thought process of hr is the less you tell your boss the better so i don't um, know if I, would, I don't know if that would be a good interview <laughs> yeah probably not one and two I mean, I guess this isn't super funny, but uh, uh, Naughty Dog is not necessarily known for its fantastic work culture. Right, right, right. Like, yeah, which sucks, but I guess that is what it is. Yeah, I uh, don't fit on any of this. Associate video editor. Yeah, you could do that. You could be, you could be, um, oh, that's the editorial. Yeah, you could do that. Get on Naughty Dog, man. Find out what they're doing. Tell me. Then we can have a really yeah, good I'll podcast. Yeah, I'll be the leaker. Yeah, you can do it. <laughs> I'll be the leaker. Yeah. That, that would be the lo- that would be the the long con, right? Like get a job at Naughty Dog. So on this podcast, we could break all the news. Dude, that is one hundred percent a Nathan for you episode. <laughs> <laughs> the plan: get hired at Naughty Dog to leak it to make your podcast yes, grow. Absolutely. <laughs> um, 
yeah, so uh, not much else there other than um, things are in the work, and I don't know. I, I don't think we're going to necessarily hear about any of this soon unless some major developments happen with uh, uh, factions or that um, remake, but we'll see. A lot of people are thinking that those are going to release uh, around the same time as the TV show, which I think is slated for later this year, so who knows? But I will be patiently waiting as I am a fan of the studio. Moving right along, uh, two big acquisitions that we're going to be talking about today. First one, uh, the New York Times purchased Wordle, the app we love. Literally, we were just talking about it the week before. Like we recorded on Sunday, and then on Monday, this news hit. Yeah, and I've been I've been playing it every day. I, I send I send my finished Wordle like little diagram to my mother, and she sends me hers. Uh, today was uh, a little difficult, but. Uh, we got through it. We made it through. So yeah, New York Times bought Wordle. Um, the creator of Wordle, what is his name? Something Wardle. Josh Wardle uh, tweeted out that uh, basically <laughs> he did not expect this game to be to grow in the way that it did, and that he's just one guy. And while it, the success is exciting, it was overwhelming, which I can absolutely understand, especially with so many people like really wanting it to be good. So he basically said they um, they purchased it for. <laughs> low six figures which is kind of crazy uh that i mean that for a pretty simple word guessing game like so low six figures to you means a hundred thousand oh wait did i say low six um uh, i think it was low seven is it like a million or like is that is a is it like four million still low i would say that's mid F- nine million so I, is that high well, I, w- I would say nine million is high i would say low s- Low seven figures. Wait, hold on. How much did they buy this for? <laughs> Let's see. So we're not just talking completely randomly. Um, it was a really bad Shark Tank deal. I imagine I imagine uh, Joseph Wardle. Is that his name? Josh Wardle. Josh Wardle. Wardle. <laughs> I mean, sounds like that a That sounds name. like if you were trying to make a fake name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm uh, Josh Wardle. Okay, so so price wasn't disclosed, but time said it paid in the low seven figures. So I would say that is two and a half million and below. Is low Ooh, seven good. for me. That's a very specific number. Um, I typed in low seven figures into Google, and all this Wordle stuff came out. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, but like, I have to imagine that in three months, Wordle is not going to be the cultural thing that it is at this moment. So, congratulations, Josh Wardle, for getting paid and getting out the game. Well, I I do have to say, with the New York Times as being this, like this could be something they put in their newsletter every day. I mean, people mm-hmm. love the crossword. This is something like I think if if for this being the the partnership that Wordle is with now, I guess owner of of Wordle. I think that's the perfect owner to make this thing relevant yeah. years from now. I mean, how I don't I don't want to diminish the difficulty of this is, but how easy is it to come up with this and have a different word every day, five letter words, same basic puzzle thing. It's I I think this game is more a puzzle game than it is a word game to be uh, to me. Like it really yeah, is I a agree. puzzle. So, hey, go you New York Times, get it. Yeah, uh and they've said right now it's going to stay free, uh but that sort of implies that it might not be later. I have to imagine that they're just going to at a certain point um as we talked about last week make it so that it is like for free, you could just you could just do one a day, or you can do pay for the subscription with the other you know New York Times word games, puzzle games, whatever, uh, and be able to do multiple a day. But uh, who knows? So, so and to add to that, right mm-hmm. now the New York Times has a whole section for games. 
they have for the crossword, they have the full crossword that you have to be a subscriber for. Yep. They have a mini crossword puzzle um, that is, I think, like eight words that is free. And then they have uh, a spelling bee. How many words can you make with seven random letters kind of thing game? That's fun. That come as like their top three games that they have. So there's still that like paywall thing that they can do. Um, in which maybe like you have an archive version game, like we talked about the archive version that's online now that I'm mm-hmm. sure is going to be sued out of their mind by the New York Times if they keep <laughs> that up. <laughs> it's not going to go great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there, there are ways to monetize this, like even if it's a six letter word that you have to pay for, um, that opens a whole nother like the fact that they have Wordle and Wordle is now this like property. I think it's it's a great name for the New York Times to have to do a lot of different things with it. Um, so. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I do agree, and I think that um, good on you, Josh Wardle. Good on you for making some money <laughs> for this fun idea that you made. Did he make it for like his girlfriend or something like that? Uh, it, he, he basically said it in this announcement, like I made this game thinking it was going to be played by one person. Yeah, and then you know, however many million people have done it. It, it makes you it makes you really wish he had a name that had like something cool to it. Like I don't know about you, Matkovich or Spiktek. That's not like a name thing. Uh, that's like, what do you mean? A, oh, oh, like, like you can't, I can't like the spit tech ball or something. Yeah, like I gotta that. live up to the yeah. other Matkovich things that are out there. There's, there's not like a thing. But if my last name was like, first thing that came to my head was Surfer Dude. <laughs> like I would have to be a pretty good <laughs> yeah. surfer. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, if you were uh, Justin Surfer Dude, yeah, it would be a bummer that you lived in uh, <laughs> Illinois. Uh, not a lot of surf hitting us here, but you know that could change. <laughs> Um, <laughs> with global warming, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, real. <laughs> when I when I first made a Facebook account when I was like thirteen, uh, someone named Veronica Spitek friended me on Facebook, not a part of my immediate family or like extended family, uh, and said, "Hey, we have this same last name. It's kind of weird. Uh, I mean, it's not a super common last name. Do, maybe we share a similar ancestry. Like, who are your grandparents?" And then I realized I never responded to that. Like last year, I was thinking like. Should I just respond and be like, hey, sorry, I was in the shower? <laughs> something like this from this message from 2010. Yeah, that would be an um, interesting pickup line, too. Like, hey, we have the same last name, but then, like, just start the relationship on a lie. Not a great pickup line, Justin, if we have the same last name and it's Spitek. Depends what part of the country you're in. <laughs> no, Justin, it's not. It's not. I'm pretty sure we... <laughs> Justin, it's not. I think we have the same, like, great-grandparents. What the fuck? Uh, momentary lapses in judgment (laughs) let's talk about the switch uh the switch as we discussed uh we're fans of uh apparently other people are too because now it is the the highest selling nintendo console of all time passing up the nintendo wii at 103.5 million units the uh wii I think in its run hit 101 million units and the DS um, it, it has not passed, but, but that's, it's looking at like hand uh, uh, home consoles. The DS has uh, 154 million units, but it seems like it probably could surpass that. If as Nintendo says, the switch is in the middle of its life cycle. How does this take you? Um, first of all, the fact that the Nintendo DS family is the only Nintendo console that, well, I guess Game Boy and Game Boy Color, but like both the Nintendo DS family of consoles and Game Boy and Game Boy Color are like, were significant iterations of like the 
the the original console. And some people may argue like, well, the Switch versus the Switch Lite versus the Switch OLED, those are significant departures from it. No, they haven't even given that big upgrade yet. Like, can you yeah. imagine how these numbers are going to jump when they do come out with this eventual inevitable Switch Pro? Well, because it feels like it feels like we went from so there was the D- original DS and then it went to the DS Lite. And so to me, it is the jump of the Switch to the Switch OLED, right? Where it's like, it's not that different, but if you're going to buy one, you might as well buy the newer one that has like the nicer screens and whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what's up? Is the 3DS part of the, the DS family? Because that was another huge jump. Yeah, the 3DS, I think it is. the 3DS XL. Like, again, like going back to that, like those were huge iterations. Yeah. Or even, even like you go to the DSi, which had like cameras and stuff mm-hmm. on it and like had a lot more uh like things like apps inside of it and stuff um yeah no those are huge those are huge and like comparing the original ds to the final 3ds xl like new 3ds xl sorry not the same console not the same device you know what i mean um to to the point where like i actually i opened up my 3ds the other day because my sister is really into like competitive pokemon uh and so she's like hey can i trade you a bunch of stuff just like of all these guys like yeah whatever uh and i was like looking at it i was like this is a good device this is a really solid it has like nice big screen like it's it's really really nice but uh yeah to to your point like if the switch is going to be getting these iterations like yeah this is going to sell really well it is going it, it is going to when that eventually does happen just completely blow up. And I know this is like a stupid thing to get competitive over, but I just think it just shows you how powerful Nintendo can be. Um, And the fact that you mix your home and your handheld console together, this is the kind of results you're going to get because Nintendo consoles have, have never sold amazing. They've sold okay. And it to great. If you're thinking about the Wii handhelds have always sold amazing. So you're yeah. just combining those two markets together. People were like, well, Nintendo won't do that. It will hurt Nintendo in the long run because people are going to only have one thing to buy. No, it's just going to help them. Clearly, these numbers show that it's going to help them. Um, I mean, for this to only be five years into the cycle, not even, and it to have that many sold, that's it's awesome. I think it's been six years into the cycle. What year are it came we out in? Tw- it came out in 2016. I thought 2017, but I could be 2017. wrong. 2017. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, no, you, you're correct. Five years. Uh, you know it what? was January 2017. Time is a flat circle since this pandemic has happened. I mean, this pandemic has only been, what, six months of our lives? That's the thing. I, was, I, I, keep, being, <laughs> I keep writing 2020. <laughs> it's like not even, not even 2021 anymore. But um, yeah, yeah, but it, it does make sense. Um, you're totally right, though. The, the, up until now, we have the Steam Deck coming out at the end of this month. But Nintendo has been the only handheld that has had any sort of success. I mean, like you have people who, you know, do love the PlayStation Vita and the other handheld PlayStation like devices, but they just did not have a candle to how excellent uh, Nintendo's handheld titles were. Um, well, and so, the, yeah, the, the, the yeah. PS Vita did not sell great. I mean, it sold like Wii no. U numbers. PSP yeah. sold so well because people found out how to break it. So it like it sold for all the wrong like like jailbreak it. Um, yep. It sold for all the wrong reasons, right? That's how mm-hmm. that system had so many. But, I mean, Nintendo, and they just keep having this lovely, lovely Nintendo uh, jump on everything is just fantastic. Yeah, so so we will see. I am excited for uh, the future of the Switch. I think while Nintendo's past consoles are pretty good, I mean, like I, li- I like the Wii. Controversial opinion. 
I like the Wii. I don't think it's controversial. No, not at all. <laughs> it's so people 1. love 1. it. Uh, <laughs> one, one hundred and one million units. Yeah, um, but I mean, like, I, I love the GameCube. I love Nintendo sixty four. I love all that sort of stuff. But I, I think, without a doubt, the Switch is is probably the best console they've made ever. Uh, and I'm gonna go to say my favorite console of all time is the Switch. Yeah, like I would play any freaking game on the Switch. And I think it's worth pointing out that like. If anyone is like, I'm trying to get into video games, what should I get by Switch? By Switch. All sorts of really approachable games uh, and that are going to like really ease you into it. There are all sorts of great games if you're playing with your family. Get a Mario Party going or Jackbox or whatever. Um, and then if you're trying to play for yourself, pick up Pokemon or Zelda or Mario or whatever. Like, Great game. Great console. It makes sense that it's selling as well as it is. Uh, conversely, numbers have been posted that... Um, the PlayStation 5 is not meeting its sales expectations when compared to uh, the PS4 at the same time in its life cycle. Uh, Daniel Ahmad, who is an industry uh, analyst and, and expert, uh, posted a graph uh, on Twitter in a tweet saying this. The PlayStation 5 has sold in, uh, has sold 17.3 million units as of December 31st, 2021, according to Sony. This compares to 20.2 uh, million for PlayStation 4 in the same time frame, frame when launch aligned. Um, PS5 has faced significant supply issues. Uh, it has been unable to keep up with the PS4 despite demand. Uh, that makes sense to me. Yeah, right? I, no, none of that yeah. is shocking with me. I think the, the thing that does worry me just slightly and i know a lot of this is a supply thing but people were talking about how last console generation the uh you know home console was dead um and now we're talking 0.2 million here like yeah. not like drastic numbers um but the difference what you're talking about the differences yeah the differences it, it is three million different oh so three million different if we're talking about three million different um, like that in of itself is, you know, not necessarily worrisome, but the fact that the series XS this is according to just the, um, the same, uh, Wikipedia article that has the, uh, the Wikipedia site that has the numbers for everything. Xbox series XS has an estimate of 12 million sold so far. PS five has a 13.5 million. And if you're, number one like sales pitch for a console is like you're going to get these exclusive games only on this console uh, how sustainable is sony's model of upgrading consoles without having a really great backwards compatibility cross-platform type of thing whereas yeah. you look at xbox's numbers the fact that they only sold 12 million only um that's not as worrisome because their their only market is not just home consoles that's like part of their overall mm -hmm gaming presence whether it's pc x cloud um even using xbox ones as being something that they're still like getting out there yeah no it makes sense because i mean you look at if someone were like hey sh i could buy a playstation 4 right now or i could try and find a ps5 what should i get and like i mean i would probably say i I would give them a whole lot of options and like details saying like well here's what's up with what but at the end of the day i would probably say that PS4, if you are just if you not played any of these games before, that's going to get you a long way. There's a lot to that that you are going to really enjoy. Um, a lot of it's available on the PS5, especially with that uh, PS Plus goal, whatever that's called. Do you know what I'm talking about? The PS Plus collection. Um, a lot of that's going to be great. 
But at the end of the day, uh, the PS4 is a super solid console that is... Mm-mm. PS5 supports a lot of those games backwards compatibly. But what I'm trying to say is is exactly in line with yours, with what you said, where the, the PS5 doesn't have that other backwards compatibility yet. People are saying, obviously, with Project Spartacus, that that may be coming, but until that's officially announced, I'm hesitant to really, like, say anything official. All right, tell me this. You have a friend who wants to get yeah. into video games. I want you to rank Nintendo, Xbox, uh, and Sony. How would you rank those to, to tell someone, like, your first video game console, this is what I'd tell you? Well, I would probably say the Switch, uh, as as I said, because of it's a lot more approachable. Uh, a lot of the games aren't, like, dumbed down is the wrong word. Uh, a lot of the games just are very approachable for newcomers. Um, and then there are, are there are those games that if you have, you know, gotten those skills down, got, figured out where all the buttons are, uh, you can figure, you know, you'll be able to, to play your breath of the wilds and, and your whatever else Mario odysseys. Uh, but then you also have those great family games of Mario party, Mario Kart, smash bros, whatever. Uh, then I would go, I would say get an Xbox series S with game pass because that'll, you know, $300 plus a game pass subscription. That'll, that'll get you there. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff on there. I would say it's less approachable in the way that it with then like something like Nintendo, just because a lot of those, uh, games are going to be popular, but not super welcoming to newcomers. You know what I mean? You hear, oh, I would love to play Skyrim, but there's like a lot you should know about video games before you jump into Skyrim, you know, uh, or Fallout or or Gears of War. I mean, maybe your Halo Master Chief Collection will be a decent place to start, but you know what I'm saying. And then very, very bottom is PlayStation. <laughs> well, and, and I think my order, I might argue that someone my age, I would probably recommend an Xbox over a Switch. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's fair. But you can make the argument about Xbox or Switch a very compelling argument. They're pretty much at, at, on the same level for me. I cannot make an argument why you should get a PS5 over those other two today. Yeah. Like, I, I love Sony. You know that. I just yeah. can't make that argument. Yeah, it's just, it's not super approachable. But um, here's something that might draw more people to the PlayStation ecosystem. Sony bought Bungie. Sony pay isn't that the, isn't that the Halo Studio? Uh, it was once. <laughs> 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 so Sony is acquiring Bungie. Uh, yes, they created Halo, but currently they are the curators of Destiny and Destiny Two uh, in a three point six billion dollar deal. Uh, I, <sighs> this news is interesting to me, and I'm curious what you have to say about it. How did this, what, what does this make you think and feel? First thing I did was I Googled how much Bungie is worth. And the numbers came up as like the, the low $2 billion range, which mm -hmm. to me was a little bit shocking to begin with. But then it's like, why did Sony spend that much more? And I get it's an acquisition. You're probably overpaying the value of a company in order to get that company. Um, but because you could probably because th that company can probably say like, yo, we're only worth two billion now. But you look at where we're going and, and what we're on chart on, on track to do next year, or the right, year before right. when we like launch eventually three we're or whatever grow yeah. to do this. Yeah. Um, how much did Bethesda sell for? Uh, so Zenimax was, I think, seven point eight billion. And that was for Zenimax. I got you more than just the Bethesda games, which in and of itself, I would say 
having owning the <laughs> Elder Scrolls is, is a good right. Yeah. O- but owning. Zenimax, you get id software so you get doom and wolfenstein machine games which is wolfenstein you get dishonored from arcane you get other scrolls online from uh zenimax online like that's a, that is a really good deal right really so deal. W- when you hear that i'm i this is no offense to bungie i don't think those two things i don't think bungie is like half as much as zenimax <laughs> yeah i i would agree especially with the fact that um bungie has confirmed saying hey we are going to stay multi-platinum uh sorry multi-platform with destiny 2 uh unclear what that might mean for the future of bungie's releases but to my understanding it doesn't seem like they're looking to change up what's going on with destiny anytime soon they've been launching really successful expansions and stuff like that still and it's been like five years since that game first came out um but destiny 2 excuse me uh it is weird and not weird i'm sure there are going to be a lot of incentives to play destiny 2 on playstation so speaking of which polygon uh kind of went through all the pr speak of um what what was happening with this acquisition and according to an article by michael mcwerther uh said three bullet points to kind of sum up the fine point of some of this acquisition stuff first of all destiny 2 will stay on all current platforms and expand to new platforms. Switch? Where do you expand uh, to from everywhere? <laughs> like, right? I guess Switch. Uh, phone? PSVR 2? Phone, maybe? PSVR? That could actually, be, yeah. the, uh, actually, mobile Yeah, seems like that would potentially be it. Second bullet point. Bungie maintains full creative control and publishing independence of the Destiny universe. Of the Destiny universe. So they get to basically have say what happens with Destiny. Yeah. Bullet point three. Same game everywhere. Every player should have an amazing Destiny experience, no matter where you choose to play. Now, you could look at that and have an amazing experience. You know, you might have another amazing experience here. Like, you know, you can have two stakes. They're both amazing. One's still better than the other, you know? (laughs) That's the thing, right? Like, you get a high-quality stake, it's still a high-quality stake, but... Uh, maybe on PlayStation, you're getting a steak, a little bit of asparagus on the side, mm, some, yeah, that's some right. boiled tomatoes, uh, you know, p- potatoes. Sorry, um, <laughs> <laughs> not tomatoes. I mean, stewed tomatoes are fine, but uh, you know what the fuck I mean. Continue. <laughs> so that that tells me that this 3.6 billion dollar deal, um, Destiny is definitely a part of Bungie. I would assume, and this is just me being an, an assumer, uh, that there's another IP in the works here sure that sounds right like you would have to assume that the other thing that i would have to assume is that this is not just sony being like we're gonna buy destiny they are saying we are gonna buy this company that knows how to work this games as service stuff as destiny has worked because for all the people who complain about destiny destiny is still a successful kind of games as service yeah marketable uh successful profitable all those things are what you want they know how to make the next destiny it's so interesting because you look at i mean i you look at this acquisition and you compare it to what xbox has been buying uh some people who are like 
Oh, so Sony's just scrambling, just bought this off on a whim. Yeah, because uh, you do not deals like this happen in a week, right? Yeah, you don't spend three million, almost four million, four billion dollars to just buy a studio uh, because you kind of got spooked that <laughs> Xbox acquired Activision Blizzard. Um, but you look at Xbox, and those games are a lot, like a lot of what they own. Uh, and what they've been good at for the past several years has been those live service experience and those internet uh, uh, friendly game gaming experiences. Uh, those certainly exist on the PlayStation, right? You can still play Fortnite and Apex and Call of Duty, whatever else on PlayStation. But those first party Xbox games like Sea of Thieves, uh, the Halo multiplayer stuff, those have been well represented in that on that platform. Well, now you have xbox purchasing zenimax to make those uh single player experiences those quality triple a single player experiences in the same way that sony has them now you look at this sony has those triple a single player experiences like like nothing else but they they do not have like a a live service multiplayer game like i'm trying to even think they had destruction all stars that didn't last great game guys great game um uh literally what else uh, i mean nothing <laughs> i mean just straight up nothing uh what's had a multiplayer mode i mean i guess you could i mean factions is potentially on the way yeah, but, but that's so far away and i'm sure like not mass appeal right it, but there's probably also been issues with getting it to work in a way that's going to be something like a destiny yeah yeah um so it makes sense that that sony would want these a studio that can handle and can teach it how to develop these sorts of games. Makes sense to me. It does. Right? So yes, 3.6 billion looks like a lot, but this seems like it's not just Sony buying destiny. It's Sony buying infrastructure. Bungie. Yeah. Their expertise, having whatever they use as their company be a part of what Sony does, not only on PlayStation, but in, in a lot of aspects of, of their, of their, um, entertainment fields like there mm -hmm. there's so many things that i think you can look at this about like being exciting for where sony could go in the future um <coughs> but uh it's more than just destiny so people who look like oh okay this is that much for just destiny what, what is sony doing mm. yeah they have to have a plan and just like i think yeah, the, the yeah. going back to xbox the blizzard activision purchase is not just them buying call of duty it's them buying no something that is going to make money in addition to xbox right right because it, it's it's not just saying it, it, it's it would be so short-sighted to just say oh well they want call of duty well, obviously yes but what more can call of duty bring to the table right what more can these other uh ips bring to the table so you know we'll we'll sort of see about all that um i think i'm good in terms of the acquisitions I th for now, I think let it rest. I want to see what happens. I want I'm ready to see the results of all this because we're just now starting to see what's going to be happening with uh, the the Zenimax purchase, right? With Starfield coming out later this year, with potentially Deathloop coming to Xbox later this year. We're getting Ghostwire Tokyo, but that's coming uh, uh, March 25th or something like that uh, down the road. Um, but that's on, on PlayStation, right? So we're not going to be getting that until next March 2023 on Xbox at, at the very earliest. So it'll be interesting to see where all this goes from here. 
and I, I'm <laughs> I'm ready for them to cool maybe <laughs> while this all sort of shakes out. See, I, I get it to a point, and I know how people are upset about acquisitions and all that kind of stuff, but I think mm-hmm. ultimately these acquisitions are a, a, like a warning sign that there's something inherently wrong with the video game industry. The fact that companies have crunch, the fact that companies are releasing games that are um, not working correctly or buggy as hell or almost unplayable because of some of these bugs the reason they keep releasing the same games over and over again um, with a different coat of paint over them are because that is the reality of what sells what companies can do with the funding and the money they get and what they can do with the actual like you know workers people do crunch because they have to meet targets in order to keep their companies afloat a lot of the times not all yeah. the times you have companies like CD Project Red who mismanaged so many things you have companies like um uh what, TT yeah. Lego Star Wars yeah you have them yeah. who who managed things they built poorly. it in they yeah. built it in but at a certain point they require those things to keep being a company yeah so when these companies are struggling to survive from game to game, they want to have that situation where the 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 light, the the savior falls down and purchases them to give them that security, to give them that stability. I personally think the acquisitions are not just going to stop suddenly. I think they're going to keep happening. And mm-hmm. it's hard for me to argue that that, that is bad for the video game industry because I think ultimately it's probably better for some of these smaller indie developers to have yeah. more of a, a structure over them. The problem gets to be when you have Activision Blizzard who are doing things in which their CEO is making millions of dollars a year while they can't afford to pay their workers a good wage right. or yeah. create this kind of stuff. So that's where the consolidation could become problematic when you have bad players at the top. But mm-hmm. so Sony is not a bad company. Right. Microsoft in, in that is not way, right. a bad company. Um, I'm sure they have bad things in their, in their closets, but um, the more people who know what they're doing, who are good companies or try to do what is right, who have people like your Phil Spencer's out there who are trying to make the right decisions for games in general out there, making these decisions, purchasing companies. I think the better it is for games as a whole. Um, yeah. Well, I remember exactly to your point when uh, Housemark, makers of Returnal and and Rezogun and whatever else, uh, were purchased by Sony. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but someone at that studio was like, honestly, it was kind of a huge relief because we knew that we were going to continue being a company after the release of our game. Which is kind of crazy, right? To to imagine like you're working really hard to get this thing done, but knowing that once the work is done, it's kind of up in the air as to like, am I going to have a job? Right. So a studio like Sony owning uh, a company like Sony owning smaller uh, studios does help and it does push that and it does allow a lot more security. And, you know, if if they're able if they're if they say, listen, we need another two months on this, unfortunately, or six months, whatever. Okay, that's fine. We we have the we have the ability to take care of that. Sony's in a little bit different of a financial state, obviously, than Microsoft, as the amount of money that they're able to spend is a little bit different. True, but um, but they're still major companies. Correct. At the end of the day, it's not like Sony doesn't have money, (laughs) and especially when you look at uh, everything that Sony sort of has going on for it. Yeah, you know they make the uh, uh, tech hardware and they make movies and and whatever. But the to me, and this is just my completely 
uneducated opinion for basically I haven't done any research on this. It seems to me like the thing that is really doing Sony a lot of favors is its video game division, which is why at the end of every Sony commercial for anything, Sony, you get greatness awaits and then like add for, I don't know the dual sense control. Yeah. Dual sense controllers or, or PS five or PS four or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, and you know, like one kind of final thought too about, big companies owning stuff. I think video games and game development need creators need to have unions. I think the more unions yeah. we have, I'm a pro union fan. The the part that is bad about unions is that they make workers more money for companies and sometimes smaller companies can't afford to have workers under union contracts. Right, yeah. So like and again I'm not saying that we shouldn't be paying workers more money. I think we should. But that that makes smaller companies struggle to keep creating and keep doing things if they can't afford workers who are in a union, which they should be in a union. So if the only way to get people in a union is to have a bigger company to be able to afford that kind of stuff and to kind of push for that stuff, that's what we need. Um, so, hey. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. And it seems like we might be at something of a boiling point with that, with uh, the Ravensoft... Uh, union that formed and the ABK union that is I think I don't know if it's officially formed or recognized but uh, uh, like being formed and, and whatnot it seems like this might be uh, something of uh, the tip of the iceberg with this stuff which it, it should be because you know a lot of the stories coming out of these studios even the ones managed by big companies you know like Naughty Dog and and um, uh, I'm struggling to remember anything else that's that's uh, nothing's coming to mind immediately, but there are these, these horror stories that come out of these big studios that mismanaged is horrible crunch. Let's get a union in there to make these people's lives better because you're going to make, you're going to have better creators if they're not worried about coming into work, you know, or not worried about having to leave work or whatever. So, uh, yeah, we'll see big acquisitions. Um, <laughs> Jeff uh, Keeley had a, a tweet based like the most vague, completely unhelpful tweet that maybe I've ever seen recently where he basically said, like, um, I've heard from a source that we can expect even more to come in the industry later this year, which like, yeah, Jeff, um, I imagine that the games industry wasn't going to just be done in Feb in January. But thank you. Uh, but like to your point, it seems like there's more in the works that we don't know about, you know, vague and unhelpful pretty much sums up Jeff Keeley. <laughs> this whole shtick. <laughs> uh, thank you, Jeff Keeley for showing me Alan Wake too. And that's what I, that's even it out. <laughs> uh, but Hey, what do you think? I want to know listener, what your thoughts on all of this are. You can let us know on Twitter at HitboxPod or send us an email at HitboxOfficialPodcast at gmail.com. Go ahead, tweet at us, send us a DM, whatever. Give us a follow there. You know how it is. If you uh, are listening to this, uh, you're listening to it on something like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever your platform of choice is, it would be very nice if you would give us a follow on there so you get notified whenever we post new episodes, which, as you probably know, 
occurs on Hitbox Days, Wednesdays at noon central time. Uh, give us a follow on there. Give us a review. That does really help us. It's really simple. Spotify just opened it up for reviews. Very easy to do. Uh, Justin, am I missing anything here? Uh, just a quick update on some of yeah. our Fantasy League games. Oh, ah, um, go ahead. So I, I have drafted uh, Hogwarts Legacy. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, one thing about that, uh, a lot of reports are coming out how it's going to get pushed into 2023. However, yeah. the I keep hearing that potential it's we might have a september release date for hogwarts legacy a september release date yeah. from, uh, who, according to who uh so an article on the gamer talks about uh by george foster talks about how there was an art book that released it that released that said it could potentially come out in september so dang potentially um either that game is going to be good i don't think that game is suddenly going to be good versus bad like if it gets delayed, it's either going to be a good game yeah. or it's going to be a horrible game. Um, so that might still be coming out, which would be great. Um, and then also Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League um, officially uh, being delayed to 2023. Um, oh, it's official? I believe it was. Or am I crazy? Oh, well, I, no, I didn't know if that was true or not. But I'm looking here at our fantasy uh, league. I have counterpicked Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which means that um, poor... Poor Dan uh, is stuck with that. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it looks like Warner Bros. Uh, has reportedly delayed the upcoming Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League video game okay. from Rocksteady until 2023. Um, this is an article called Why Suicide Squad Was Delayed Until 2023 by Suki Newell over at Screen Rant. But there was a bunch of, of reporting on this. So, um, uh, unfortunately, that game can no longer be dropped. <laughs> so um, sorry. So, apologies. Yeah. Does that mean you get points if you counterpick a game? I think so. Nice. Uh, yeah, you can either get points or lose points. So, for example, uh, Dan also has uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus counterpicked, mm. uh, and it is at, the open critic score is 85, which means he's getting negative 15 points. Mm. Mm. Uh, but he did pick Dying Light 2, got a seven points there. So, so he is still at a negative eight, though. Yeah. Uh, but th- there is still time. Um, I have not had any of my games touched. Me or you. None of the games have come out. Yeah. Feel good about that. Um, I think my first one, did I get Kirby? No, I didn't. <laughs> um, oh, shit. I might not. <laughs> this might be bad <laughs> for me. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but I digress. Anything else before we uh, close it all out? No, I think that, that about does it. All right. Well, hey, thanks again so much for listening. Uh, we will catch you Next week, there are going to be, I think, two episodes next week. One, our, our regularly scheduled episode, and then a uh, review of Sifu. And I'm excited to get into that. I know it's been a, a hotly anticipated game for this year. So, until then, we will catch you next time. Always remember, old games are old. Bye. Bye. Ha, ha, ha.